For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thank you all for joining me in the latest Morecast, part of the CSG and MHS Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Okay, sorry about the lateness of this podcast. I usually get these out early, early, early in the mornings, but uh, I got tied up with other things today. So um, here is the rundown here. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to devote a ton of brain power to the Nuggets uh, draft pick rundown. Obviously, by now you will have listened to. Um, Lockdown Nuggets, you will have listened to DNVR, you will have listened to Pickaxe and Roll, you will have listened to all the uh, other Nuggets podcasts, and you don't frankly come to more the Mortcast for a intimate breakdown of things that have happened already. Um, you want some historical context, and you want some other things. Um, but for those who don't know, in the rundown of the players that the Nuggets got in the first round with their only pick... Um, the Nuggets got uh, Julian Strother, who is a forward, sweet shooting forward. Um, in the second round, they got uh, guard Jalen Pickett from Penn State and forward ten- Hunter Tyson from uh, Clemson. Uh, Tyson is a, flo- is a uh, forward who uh, gets rebounds and shoots. And K- Jalen Pickett is a uh, Andre Miller-esque uh, point guard. So that kind of gives you an idea of what the Nuggets took. Um, I think I, you know, not to sound like one of those contrarian, um, says things, uh, that, uh, just for, just to be on the opposite side kind of things thing this not, that's not what I'm going to do right now. But what I will say is that it will be very alarming if these guys get, substantial playing time this year and and i i will say the same thing i said last year even when the nuggets drafted uh, christian brown and uh, peyton watson um the the nuggets if they are in a position to where these guys are playing that means something will have gone wrong that means that uh that there was an injury that means that there was something else that happened but by and large you shouldn't be having to play uh significant minutes any player you drafted if you're in a championship window it's the same thing as, as it was last year before the nuggets won the nba finals uh and it's the same thing now it's probably even more true now so i not to pour some cold water on what everyone is thinking right now it's just that it, it, don't expect 
what's happening right now to be something that is um, that that these that these drafted players will be part of the Nuggets' uh, significant roles. Um, the Nuggets' big issue right now is re-signing Bruce Brown, and I think that. Um, I don't think necessarily this is a hedge. Um, I said this when they made a trade during the finals and uh, when they um, uh, made another trade to uh, to kind of get where they are right now with the first round. Um, I said at the time that it was it was a hedge against Bruce Brown leaving because they they don't control this. The Nuggets do not have any control over whether Bruce Brown stays or not. Bruce Brown is it's up to him. This is the nature of unrestricted free agency. So, and and quite frankly, the Nuggets, as we've been established, as can only offer him seven point eight million dollars. Uh, uh, if he wanted to do a one one plus one deal and do what uh, uh, Porter did in um, uh, Portis, Bobby Portis, not Porter, uh, what uh, Bobby Portis did in uh, Milwaukee, um, that is certainly what the Nuggets are hoping that happens. Um, but. To be honest with you, there's going to be a team out here who probably offers Bruce Brown and knows what the Nuggets are in a position to uh, offer right now. We'll offer him the max of what he can get. All right, there's there's teams with cap space. I'm thinking of Sacramento um, and some of the other places that probably can invest in screwing the Nuggets. Okay, and I think people are underestimating that right now, and. There's not going to be some rookies who are going to be, with due respect to uh, the the players that uh, the Nuggets drafted, there's not going to be some drafted players who are going to fill that void. The Nuggets will have to go out and in free agency and find someone or trade someone to get that. Um, this, uh, this is what, uh, on the other flip side of this, this is what, you know, contending teams do. They get players who have high floors. All right, and and very much Christian Brown is, is is a high floor guy. I wouldn't necessarily say that about Peyton Watson. Peyton Watson is very much an unproven, and he had a very low floor but a high ceiling. He was a he was different. That's why I complained about the Nuggets drafting him in the first round because they had to devote a first round contract to him. With a championship team, you need a you definitely need a a high floor guy who is going to give you a baseline. And a lot of high floor guys don't necessarily have high ceilings. Uh, I think I think Christian Brown is very much a high floor. Um, he doesn't have a huge ceiling, but he's a guy that you know who's going to get what he's going to give you, um, and uh, that's exactly what the Nuggets needed. And uh, same thing with these players. All these players are uh, longer termed players who are, I wouldn't call them safer bets, but these are players whose floor is pretty much established. When you draft older players, they tend to have, um, well, it's not like drafting a 19-year-old, is it? I mean, you, 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 they have more seasoning within the college system, um, particularly with Christian Brown. He had uh, the championship history with Kansas the year prior. So what he was able to provide was exactly something that the Nuggets needed. And who knows with these three that were drafted here, but two of these guys are in the second round picks. So I wouldn't anticipate them even being frequently with the team. Um, and uh, it, it's just, just the nature of the beast. 
Um, these these guys just, I mean, aside from the first round pick, I mean, the, look, look, the the Nuggets hopefully, well, they're like probably within their their frame of reference, will be wanting Peyton Watson to take a take a step forward um, before any of these drafted players. So I'm, once again, I sound like I'm like tamping down as much as I can um, the 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 excitement people have on these things. That people be excited that the Nuggets have made competent picks, and that is something that people should be excited about. To made picks of high floor guys, particularly um, the two of the second round guys, um, and Pickett particularly is very much an Andre Miller floor general. Uh, um, he is in that Andre Miller slash Mark Jackson mold of back you down kind of thing. Um, those guys um, are definitely guys that you need on your roster and in certain situations will be excellent to run second units and stuff like that. Um, but there's a reason they're drafted in the second round. They're drafted in the second round so they don't have to count against what they're trying to do. Most of these guys are in two-way contracts. Um, it's just the nature of the, of the beast. Um, so... You know, I, I be excited that the Nuggets are displaying what championship teams do. They they get these low cost contracts in order to supplement their roster, but it isn't this isn't a goal to um, be in their roster like they were you know years ago when the Nuggets were a developing team. This is not the scenario that the Nuggets are in right now. They are in a completely different ballpark. And the Nuggets are trying to fill out their roster with these low-cost uh, uh, rookie deals that uh, they hope can develop into something to where they're, you know, in the, in the, maybe the next year, year or two, to where they are able to help the team out and uh, um, be, be contributing players who, who won't need a long runway of development like well for very specifically Peyton Watson um but uh if they were you know uh, let's say this is 2015 and they draft Emmanuel Moutier who probably if he wasn't such a spectacular flame out would probably have needed about three four years of just consistent playing time and development this team is not in that position right now in fact nor should they be they are wanting to supplement their roster now this once again this plays into the bruce brown thing these these i mean if you listen to the draft analysis things Particularly, I listened to the uh, the mismatch today, and they were talking about um, um, Kevin O'Connor was talking about how this is a Michael Porter Jr. hedge. This is certainly not that. Um, none of these players that have, were drafted have the Michael Porter Jr. thing. Um, now, some of this could be an injury hedge, but these. I mean, I'm going to reiterate to you: if there is a point where these guys are getting significant playing time, something has gone wrong. That is 100% what happens with these things. These guys aren't filler like that, but these are guys that you're not counting on. And this is something that people need to understand. The Nuggets' the biggest offseason priority is Bruce Brown and what he does. If, the, if Bruce Brown leaves, they are going to have to find a player to, to fill the Bruce Brown role, and it will not be Pickett. Um, it won't be these guys like that. And if it is Pickett, it will be because he way overperformed on expectations. But the Bruce Brown role, if he leaves, will not be filled by him. It'll be filled by someone who they get in free agency or in a trade. That's it. 
So this is not a this is not a situation where these players who are drafted are going to be expected, nor should they be expected, to fill that role. Um, that is a giant hole that needs to be filled by a veteran. And those guys may be out there. Who knows? Um, and I'm not counting on Bruce Brown leaving. Um, what I'm saying is that this Nuggets team um, is preparing for contingencies. And, and, and mostly it is what these three draft picks were for it just so they can fill out the roster. And it's very significant that they use the two second round picks. I'm glad that Calvin didn't do what he did last year, which I think once again was a mistake in trading up for second second round projection into the first round which which chained Peyton Watson to the to the guaranteed money on the roster on a guaranteed uh slot um they needed some guys second round guys like that and second rounders like uh Pickett um and the guy from Clemson those guys those guys will be able to give a second round thing and uh, kind of like Jack White, you know, break in case of emergency kind of thing. Um, and but the Nuggets will be turning their eyes towards Bruce Brown. Uh, as of right now, he is a free agent. He has opted out of his his contract. So he, as of right now, he is a free agent. And there is no guarantee they will bring him back. It is very much uh, a uh, bite your bite your fingernails time for the Denver Nuggets and I, like I said I don't know what's out there in free agency um, if the Nuggets try to preach that these drafted players uh, will be the ones who fill the role that is that would be a troubling sign uh, that will mean that they couldn't have find, found someone to 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 fill that gap um, the Nuggets would need a veteran this is a championship team and uh, you cannot just put in a guy who has uh, spent four years in college there and expected to be fine. The Christian Browns of the world are not frequent. Um, so my anticipation is that if, if, if Bruce Brown decides to walk, they will seek other avenues to try to fill that role. Um, and my anticipation is if they can't work out a uh, free agency deal with someone, they will try to trade and uh, uh, get a, a player who can approximate what Bruce Brown gave the Denver Nuggets last year uh, if he chooses to walk. Hopefully, Bruce Brown will say, OK, I'll get you. I will let you sign me to a one and one, um, which is one year plus a player option in the uh, second year. And then you can re-sign me to a larger deal, which would be in the neighborhood of $50 million. Um, so if he, if he does that, that would be great. That's the, that's the 100% the, the thing that we should be hoping for. But if he's not able to and the Nuggets don't work and, and he's, he declines that and goes somewhere else that plays in more money right now, um, then the Nuggets are going to have to make some decisions. And um, once again, I don't anticipate a two second round picks and a really late first round pick to be the people who fill that role. So, all right. Uh, on the other side of the break, I'm going to talk to you about the ESPN's coverage of the draft last night and what a complete shit show it was. But first, I want to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazie in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. Reds, whites, 
Rieslings. Um, they got everything you need in your local wine bar. They got a location in Fort Collins and they got a location in Denver and they got a location in Sonoma County. But really, this is a local Colorado business providing wine for people who go into Colorado businesses. Um, they have partnerships with Gal with uh, wineries in the Western Slope and some on the Eastern Slope. Um, this is really a great place to go to find sample what Colorado has to offer and also sample what Blanchard Family Wine's own uh, wine is, which is from grapes in Sonoma County, which is, you know, in California, the, the, the grape is Pinot, but, you know, you've got, you've got, you know, cabs, you've got Merlots, you've got Syrahs, you've got uh, Malbecs, you know, you got, you, you know, really all the great varietals of reds and of course, Gewürztraminer and uh, Rieslings from partnerships with Western Slope Wineries, all the things that you want in your favorite local wine bar. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at BFW Colorado. Dot com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. ESPN's coverage of the draft last night was a complete train wreck. Um, from Stephen A. Smith's ramblings on ABC to J.J. Reddick and Jay Billis arguing about cell phone plans or Jay Billis looking completely comatose in the entire broadcast to, to inane banter and in interviewing parents. It, it just, it was, it was bizarre. It was bizarre coverage and it was, they were trying to do something different. I appreciate the attempt to do something different. The issue was it didn't work. And not only did it didn't work, it you got no scope of what was happening. Um, you know, some players will drop in a draft and you would like to know what they're thinking. Right. And uh, there, there was there was there was a player who dropped all the way to number 20. And they didn't ask him about that. <laughs> it was like they were deliberately avoiding it. And there was awkward jokes between uh, Malika Andrews and J.J. Reddick and things that didn't land. And it was all so bizarre. It was bizarre in a we kind of threw this together way. And I, I was fairly frustrated with that. I didn't, you know, Jay Billis has been on the, the ESPN draft coverage for, you know, dog's years at this point. And um, this was the lowest energy I have ever seen him. It was, it was, it was really bizarre. Reddick was a good addition and I like JJ, um, but he was um, doing his JJ Reddick thing. It was almost like he wanted to do the first take debate thing, but he, he didn't really, didn't really do it. Um, but what was more, what was worse was the inane questions that they would ask to the players and, and their families. And the coverage was like, what do you feel about this? How do you feel about this? What do you feel about this guy? What do you feel about that guy? contradictory answers it was it was I, I understand you got to fill a four-hour broadcast and you know you, you're going to be talking for a long time about this but it was just kind of it was limp it was it was not very good and it was just uh disappointing 
And this kind of continues in with what I've been saying about the NBA's need to just get away from ESPN. You know, ESPN has been covering the draft since NBC had the had the rights to the NBA um, covering the, uh, the 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 you know when the NBC had it from ninety one to uh, to two thousand three uh, two thousand two the 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 NBA would also have ESPN do the draft and cover the draft then and you know it's just these have always been part of it but these the. the the NBA production and all of this stuff has been declining for so long. And obviously, at this point, I know all of you are sick and tired of me talking about how crappy ESPN is. I get it. I'm sick of it, too. Um, the issue right now is that they don't seem to be improving. You know, they got good people on there, good people who can cover, but... Like JJ Reddick can't lift a lift a draft a whole draft four hour draft show by himself, you know. This was the worst chemistry I have seen on a on a NBA draft show since they had Bill Simmons on there cheering openly cheering Boston Celtics draft picks. It was it's just it's bizarre and um. I'll say I said it before and I'll say it again. The NBA needs to make a choice. The NBA needs to choose how they want their product covered. Um, my birdies have told me that the NBA is very aware that they they that um, they need to start diversifying who they push. And they're understanding that this Denver Nuggets team is legitimately good, and that the way things are presented right now uh, is is very limiting. I think the problem is ESPN is not ready to embrace um, diverse market coverage of the NBA. Um, I think they are really kind of at a crisis point with themselves because their model is based on ra on ginning up ratings. Here's the deal, folks. The Nuggets um, series ratings against the Heat um, were okay. You know, they were just a slight dip from last year. Um, so it proved to be just fine. The NBA has gotten away. I mean, there was a quote, there was a David Stern quote from the late 2000s where he said, when someone asked him his ideal uh, finals matchup, and it was it was Lakers versus Lakers. And it was a rare moment of bald-faced honesty from Stern. Um, I don't necessarily think that's true now. I don't think the NBA is, I don't think they, 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 care about that if they cared about that sort of thing the Denver Nuggets would not have been in the uh, NBA finals um, if they were inclined to tip the scales and that sort of thing which I don't think the NBA uh, actively participates in um, aside from the 2002 Western Conference finals um, but um, we don't the the, the the NBA isn't is aware of how good the Nuggets are going to be and how good other teams probably that aren't in premium markets are going to be. And the NBA 
obviously tilted this uh, new CBA that is happening right now to include, you know, in, uh, try to emphasize parity and all of this stuff will combine to make it less likely of there is big market dominance of the NBA. Um, and starting with Milwaukee in 2021, you've had, you know, Milwaukee, which is a smaller market than Denver win. You've had Phoenix in the NBA Finals. You've had Denver in the NBA Finals. And you've had um, Miami in the NBA Finals two of the last uh, four years. Um, Miami is a glamour market, but it's not a big market. Um, you have, you know, things like that that are happening. You had Toronto, which is a, you know, a huge market. It would be one of the biggest cities in the United States if they were part of the United States. Um, yeah, Toronto win in 2019. You know, and the NBA is shifting into a new and more. Uh, no, I wouldn't call it parity because I do I do believe the NBA likes dom dynasties, and I do like great teams. Um. But the days of yearning for the L.A. and New York slash East Coast market to be dominated in anything, everything, is gone. Um, the NBA is aware of it. The one that is not aware of it is ESPN. And ESPN is going to rail against this because their model, their fundamental model, is based on ginning up as much ratings as possible. And because the... NBA doesn't have a unified TV contract uh, like the NFL, where every single team is on the same are on the same networks. Um, they can't homogenize this, so uh, ESPN chooses to focus on the Lakers. And I and and I folks get ready for it next year. The Lakers are going to be probably having the most national TV games. You know, followed by the Celtics. Um, and that's just going to be the case. Um, and, and people are just, we're just going to have to get used to it because ESPN is struggling with this. Um, and it kind of makes me yearn for the days where we just had our Sunday triple headers or double headers, you know, you know, where we would just get our, our national TV games. And one day we don't, didn't have to worry, you know, obviously TBS and TNT, it's still at it then, but it was a different kind of thing. NBC really knew how to make a spectacle. Um, even in the two Jordanless years where uh, Houston won, they were still great spectacles. NBC really knew how to do that. Um, ESPN's model is based on getting frequent eyeballs, and I think it's not necessary. I mean, TNT does better coverage. I'll be honest with you. TNT has always done better coverage of the NBA. It's because they've been a partner with the leagues going back to the late eight, you know, yeah, late eighties. So obviously that has been part of the NBA ecosystem for that long. But ESPN is the one that struggles. ESPN is the one that doesn't know how to handle uh, the the new NBA era and the NBA is going to have to make a choice. Once again, I've said this over and over. You saw, you saw a draft that was just kind of like pathetic and stilted and um, by, in terms of coverage and 
now you have a a a situation that going into this next year. And by the way, this TV contract is up. Uh, when is it up? They signed the last one in 2014, so it's in 2024. Um, is when things are going to be cooking. And the NBA has a year, and they're probably negotiating even right now, but the NBA has a year to figure itself out and what they want. The NBA has to decide what they want. This starts with the NBA, because I don't believe ESPN is going to figure it out. I think the NBA is very averse to having this new era of quote-unquote parody happen. I think they, despite the ratings being fine for the NBA Finals, they and the, and by the way, the NBA, the uh, Western Conference Finals on uh, ABC was great. They had great ratings, and of course, they're going to attribute that to the Lakers, which I'm sure they had a significant portion to it. But they were playing the Denver Nuggets, and the Nuggets swept them, swept them, right? So, I think I think the NBA is coming to its crossroads of just trying to decide where they want to be, and ESPN, I'm hoping, is not part of that picture anymore. That's a personal thing. The NBA needs to decide that it wants to be more serious about putting out not only a better visual product than they do on ESPN, but covering teams fairly and not emphasizing big markets and getting away from we want the most eyeballs and they are only residing in big markets because the NBA has signaled as of this point, well, as of the Nuggets winning, that this is no longer the case in the NBA. The, the Nuggets, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Phoenix Suns, Miami Heat, once again, two of the last three finals, um, winning with basically a lack of superstar. If you mean you don't, you don't need. Depends on the way you view Jimmy Butler. Um, all these teams are not the Lakers. They're not the Clippers. They're not the Golden State Warriors. They're not the New York Knicks. They're not the Brooklyn Nets. They're not the Philadelphia 76ers. They're not the Boston Celtics. They are teams that have been in the league for a long, long time, but aren't part of the, the big market boys club. And the sooner the NBA finds itself in a position to where they accept this, the more we can get into better, more balanced, and great coverage of an entertaining product. All right. Thank you all for joining me on the latest Morecast. I'm going to be back on Monday with another episode. Goodbye.